All right, welcome to another episode of THN on the O. As always, I am your host, Tony Ferrari, and joining me, as always, is your other co-host, Brock Otten. How you doing this week, Brock? Ah, great, Tony. I'm digging the beard look, man. We're matching today. Yeah, as I redo my apartment, I lack the desire to shave anything, including my head, so the hat stays on and the beard is here. Uh, the beard yourself is looking pretty good, though. Yeah, thanks. It's a, it's a winter grizzly bear look, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a winter look for a couple of wintry, bushy, bearded guys. Uh, we got a good episode this week, though. Uh, we got the Seattle Kraken prospects coming up. And because of that, we are interviewing Shane Wright, which will be a fun interview for you all to listen to. But first, let's get to the three stars of the week. And we're going to start off with uh, Brett Harrison, the um, teammate and line mate of uh, Shane Wright as well. He's got four goals, three assists, and seven points in three games to start off his Windsor tenure. Uh, what did you think of his game this week? I think we could have gone with any of the three on that top line in, in Windsor. They had a really good week. Um, I know we had talked sort of before the podcast and and saying that it's impressive that they look this good already when they're still developing the chemistry between Wright, uh, Matt Maggio, and Brad Harrison. That that line's going to be lethal. And Brad Harrison, um, I would say, probably performed the best of those three, which is, which is great as he's adjusting to a new environment as well. And um, he's somebody that's going to be really interesting to see his or his – finale to his OHL career, you know, happening in Windsor with a hopefully deep playoff run. Yeah, he was really good last week when I went to Shane Wright's debut. He was probably the best player on the ice, in all honesty. He had some re- a really nice between-the-legs goal. He's showing off his skills, showing off the finish. And the skating has taken a step this year, and I think that's been the biggest thing for him. Seeing that continue throughout the, the rest of the season in Windsor is going to be a really big uh, deal for him in terms of his NHL future. Yeah, I agree. I, I've definitely noticed that the skating uh, has improved this year. I think there's still room for sort of that lateral quickness, that agility. Um, still a little bit rigid, but I think the explosiveness and the linear quickness has definitely improved. And it's definitely helping to be him or for him to be a little bit more consistent from an offensive standpoint. And it's going to be great to see him play with those two in Windsor moving forward. All right, and our second star is Matteo Drobeck. Uh, 9.49 save percentage, two goals against average, and he had a big win over the 67s this week. What you like about his game? Yeah, like you said, big win over the 67s. Hamilton made a lot of moves to sort of rebuild, restock, whatever you want to call it. And they're playing pretty well, um, which is great. And it's going to be a nice challenge for a lot of these young players on that roster coming out of that championship where so many of them didn't play a, a major role. And now all those veterans are gone all those big OA names are gone and uh, it's going to be interesting to see which players step up to the challenge and and Drebeck had had a fantastic week um and hopefully he can play well for the rest of the season for the Bulldogs in that yeah it's one of those things where every time a team is kind of in that window where they're not really a competitive team they're not really going to be a, a contender you look to see who's going to step up and Drebeck did that this week especially after moving so many guys out so it was good to see the third star of the week, though, is a former NHLer, and that's Brant Clark. Uh, Barry's been undefeated with him in the lineup. He had four assists and two goals this week in three games. Big week for him as well, but in his welcome back to the OHL. Yeah, huge week. I mean, I don't think we would have expected any less. I think him returning to the OHL, anything less than matching Pavel Minchukov's sort of production or numbers would have been slightly disappointing, I, I would say. And thus far, like you said, Barry remains perfect with him in the lineup playing fantastic hockey. He looks great. I thought we had already talked about in one of our earlier shows about Grant Clark looking better as the world juniors went on, you know, his world or his gold medal game was probably his best performance. 
And it's going to be interesting to see him get comfortable in the OHL again, because in, in reality, he hasn't played a ton of hockey this year. So there's going to be a little bit of rust uh, as he returns to the Colts. And I would expect him to be one of the better players in the OHL moving forward. Yeah, he's had a really good week. It's going to be really fun to see him and see what he can do to kind of boost that very team's chances down the stretch here. But let's move on to the news of the week. And let's start off with Kitchener and just what's going on there. They've got three wins in their last 11 games. They added at the deadline, but they're really not a team that looks all too strong going forward. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, we're recording on Wednesday here and they had a tough loss to London just recently. That really bad performance in the TSN game of the week, the first nationally televised game of the year for the CHL, uh, which is not a good look against an Oshawa Generals team, which is supposed to be rebuilding. And they're a team that has pushed all of their cards in this year. And at one point, sort of maybe I want to say just before the holiday season, it looked like they were playing some really good hockey. And then the stoppage seems to have had a very negative effect on their play and chemistry wise some of the new guys just don't seem to be fitting in as well I wonder is there going to be a coaching change at at some point soon in Kitchener does it force Mike McKenzie's hand to have to make a move here uh they have to they're right now sitting outside the playoffs and looking in as a team that has been a massive buyer this year so you cannot allow your team to miss the playoffs whether that creates some desperation, I don't know, but something's probably going to have to shake up there. Yeah, I was really disappointed to see them kind of put that stinker up against Oshawa, put the stinker up against London. The the they have so many drafted prospects on that team. They've added guys to that team that that should make them a really strong group. They've got Danny Jokin now. They've got Philip Mashar, Carson Raycroft has been a good draft eligible prospect. Francesco Pinelli, they, the Hunter Bruchowski. There's so many guys but they don't kind of mesh together. And it's one of those perfect examples of you can have all the talent in the world, but if they don't work together, if they don't play a system in some sort of way that seems cohesive, that's where you're really going to get this team falling apart. And that's what's happened to Kitchener so far. And like you mentioned, there was a stretch in early December, kind of as we were getting to the holidays where they were starting to get that consistency. And I think as we brought them up on the podcast, that's the big thing we've mentioned so many times is, are they going to find that consistency? Like they have three good games and then they go back and they have a four game losing streak. And at the end of the day, that's just not going to be good enough to make the, make the run that they were expected to make coming into the year. And it's going to be so tough in that conference with so many teams loading up and the teams that didn't load up Saginaw, Guelph, these are still pretty decent teams. Owen sound. These are still good teams that they have to try to leapfrog. You don't want to end up playing London in the first round. You don't want to end up playing anybody really in that top four of the teams that loaded up. So what do they do? Uh, like you said, maybe it's a, a system change, a system change, a new coaching change. I don't know, but they have too much talent for, for them to be playing the way that they are. Yeah. It's going to be really tough to see kind of going towards the end of the year, because like you said, they have to make the playoffs at this point. Cause if they don't, their heads might roll in that in Kitchener and it's going to be really depressing to kind of see what they're going to have to go through over the next couple of years, if that's the case, but let's move on to the few injuries that have happened over the last little bit, uh, especially the guys that are supposed to be playing their top prospects game. Quentin Musty's out with, a, with an upper body injury. He's not going to be in the top prospects game. Unfortunately, he has suffered the injury in a fight with, uh, with uh, Cal Ritchie of the Oshawa generals. It's unfortunate to see because Carson or Quentin Musty has been having a really good run of recently. 
Yeah, it, it really is. Um, hopefully he's able to come back soon. Very disappointing to see him not at the top prospects game. Um, but hopefully he can just focus on getting healthy and return to Sudbury soon. Because like you said, they've been playing some good hockey. He had been playing some good hockey. I feel like he was really pushing up draft boards. And hopefully this doesn't uh, squash any momentum that he had. Yeah, Cam Allen's the next guy that has an injury. He's got a shoulder injury. He's not been ruled out of the top prospect, top prospect team as of yet, but it is in doubt. And it's going to be kind of a, an interesting case because he's a guy that probably needed a big performance on a setting like that. Yeah, it's kind of like right on the timeline of his return. So it's going to be iffy. Um, I don't know if, if, if for say... His very first game back is a top prospects game. I don't know if that's something that'll happen. I don't know if he's going to have to try to play one or two in the OHL before, or he's just going to end up as an injury replacement. We'll see. Um, like you said, that, that would have been a big event for him playing with a different environment because things in Guelph haven't gone great for him after that start at the Linker Gretzky, which was really fantastic. And we've kind of talked about him at length being a bit of a disappointment in his draft eligible years. So it would have been great to see him at that event. Obviously it's only a single event. Um, you know, not too much weight is put into it, but it still would have been awesome to see him with a different partner, with a different team. Just maybe it could have been a great reset for him uh, as well, personally. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the final guy who's also been ruled out of the top roster game, Andrew Gibson's out with a lower body injury. Really unfortunate to kind of see him go out. And uh, there, there's another replacement for him as well. So it, it sucks to see so many guys kind of go down right before this event. Yeah, Gibson's a tough one because I feel like he's one that a lot of scouts have had a difficult time getting a read on. The Greyhounds have been kind of up and down. They're, they're in sort of the midst of a retool as well. He's playing a ton for them. And he's somebody I think that requires a ton of viewings to get a real appreciation for. Um, good length on the right side, good two-way profile. It would have been great to see him at that event, maybe paired with, you know, a really good puck mover. It would have been interesting to see him in, in a different sort of light. Um, but unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. Uh, you know, their loss is somebody else's game. Uh, Alex Ferran is going to play in the event now, replacing Musty which is great uh, for him as a big body power forward. That's had a good year for Sudbury too. So hopefully he's able to have a good game at the unfortunate expense of Musty. Yeah. It's going to be fun to see that game as it always is. And so at West this year, but speaking of top prospects, the NHL central scouting released their nether list in the new year. Uh, there's 55 uh, OHL players listed. Colby Barlow comes in at number 10 in the North American skaters list, the top OHL guy. But first, I want to kind of get what stood out to you most. I think the thing that stood out to me most was just the lack of OHL players in that sort of top end range. Colby Barlow came in at 10, and he was the highest ranked OHL player. And a lot of those guys like Kyle Ritchie and stuff sort of had fallen. They're now looking like, in at least in the eyes of NHL Central Scouting, more fringe first round players as opposed to guys at the top of that list. And that's something that we've sort of talked about, Tony, but it is always interesting to see a, a different perspective, somebody else's perspective here. And I don't think it's a terrific year for the, for the OHL, especially when we're comparing it to the WHL, but it was obviously still interesting to see um, that the U S content and the WHL content really dominated the, the upper portion of that list. Yeah, it was a really interesting list. And like you said, Colby Barlow's at 10. Quentin Musty came in at 11, if I'm not mistaken. So he was the number two OHLer. But after that, they really fell off and the guys started falling down the list. 
And one guy that stood out to me way down the list 84 is Denver Barkey. Who's a guy I've talked about on the podcast many times. And the obvious flaw in his game is that he's five foot eight, and that's not really a projectable profile, but he's got so many of the tools and so many of the skills that you like to see in a pro player. And the thing that kind of, I don't know if it was a question for me or is going to make me go back and watch these guys a little bit more, but he was behind guys like Quentin Burns, Owen Outwater, Easton Cowan, Foster Cooper, and even Matthew Mania and Ethan Medema. I thought he should have been in the same range as those guys, but there's so many guys that were ahead of him that made me question it. And at the end of the day, all it's going to make me do is go watch those guys a little bit more to make sure that I'm not missing something with them because I do really think Barkey's a really good player. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's a watch list. It's a it's a list sent out. It's another perspective for you to to say, okay, like maybe what have I missed on this player? What am I missing on this player? You know, maybe I'm I'm over evaluating uh, a skill set of a certain player. So somebody like Denver Barkey, I wasn't shocked to see him that low. One, he didn't place in the top prospects game, which usually is an indication that they're not going to be high up on NHL Central Scouting's rankings. Two. He's a smaller player who's also maybe not the most dynamic skater. A lot of his qualities come sort of away from the puck. Um, he is skilled. He is intelligent. But um, what he does best is play off the puck. Uh, and as an undersized player, you know, NHL Central Scouting is not going to put him high. And just looking at their previous list, their history, players who can't skate incredibly well – and that are undersized always end up lower on that list. And it's not necessarily a kiss of death for their NHL draft stock. We've had players in that sort of mold who are ranked much lower and end up going much higher in the NHL draft. It has happened. Um, but maybe it is also an indication that NHL teams are concerned about Barkey's projection. And uh, another guy being uh, your favorite there in Luca Pinelli, right, who was much lower down. He was, I think, towards basically like the early third when you combine yeah. the two, right? And there's another guy who is not the biggest, not the quickest, has a lot of different skills that he brings to the table, but maybe there is a, a concern over his projectable or projectability. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at the NHL Central Scouting list too, size is always going to be a big factor for them. I think it's really hard unless you're an elite, elite talent. Going back to a guy like Cole Caulfield who was undersized, and it was still able to kind of be up that list, but even he was affected by his size in the, in, on that list. So it's always, like you said, a great list to look at and go, hey, maybe this guy I've been overrating or maybe this guy I've been underrating and getting extra views on those guys. And that's exactly what uh, it's going to end up being with this list for guys like Owen Atwater and, and Ethan Cooper and stuff like that. So let's, before we get to this team of the week, we are going to be covering the Seattle Kraken and no better way to do that than start off with an interview with Shane Wright. All right, now we're joined by Shane Wright of the Windsor Spitfires, draft pick of the Seattle Kraken. How are you doing today, Shane? Good. How are you guys doing? Not too bad. Great, thanks. Uh, thought we'd start things off with a bit of an icebreaker here. I didn't know, Shane, if you knew that you were the under-12 record holder for the 100-meter dash in the Hall <laughs> School Board. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't know I still had that record, actually. No. So you still do. You still do. And hilariously enough... Uh, your teammate Oliver Peer has the record in long jump. I think he's what do they have four four point six six meters, which is actually pretty impressive. That's pretty good for for U twelve. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you you knew you had it, didn't know you still had it. 
Yeah, I know I had it at the time. I didn't know it was uh, it was still uh, still buying the, these days, but uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's holding up. Yeah, who would would you still be able to crack that time today, or would you be faster? Um, I'd like to think I'd be faster. I mean, I haven't really <laughs> done the hundred meter sprint in a long time, so I'm not sure. But uh, hopefully, I'd like to say I'd be a little faster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next question we have is just. How much of a whirlwind has these last two months or last six months, sorry, been? I mean, you have the draft, two world juniors, um, time in the NHL, time in the AHL, now back in the OHL. Have you had a chance to take a step back and just breathe? Yeah, obviously been a crazy couple of weeks here. Been uh, for a couple of months, I guess. Been a lot of different places, a lot of different teams and you know, a lot of different situations as well. And, um, you know, it's nice to finally be in her Windsor and uh, be able to settle down a little bit, be able to, you know, you know, know that, that this is, you know, where, where I'm going to be the rest of the year. This is my team. So uh, definitely been, uh, you know, crazy, but it's also been a lot of fun. Definitely uh, had some pretty cool moments and uh, really enjoyed it all. Now you won gold at the World Juniors. It was obviously a big experience for you guys, especially after losing to Chechi in the first game and then beating them in the gold medal game. What did you take away from that experience exactly? Yeah, I think just unreal experience, obviously, being able to win a gold medal, uh, especially on home soil like that in front of those fans. Uh, I mean, there's uh, definitely a dream come true. Definitely something you dream of doing and a uh, you know, really special, really cool moment for sure. And um, you know, a lot of fun as well. You know, that whole experience was, was great. You know, had a lot of you know, close buddies on the team as well, which is nice to be able to uh, you know, spend that time with them and uh, be able to win them as well. Yeah. So um, when did you find out that you were going to be sent back to the OHL and how much of a role did you play in that process? Yeah, it was the uh, it was the day after the gold medal game. I uh, had a uh, had a breakfast with uh, GM Ron Francis. He just kind of uh, explained the whole situation to me, and uh, you know that they were going to send me back to the OHL. And um, yeah, eventually, obviously, wanted to um, you know, want, wanted to get traded to to a contending team. Wanted to you know be make sure I was in the right situation in order to you know help help a team win, but also you know develop myself into an NHL player. Hopefully, uh, you know full time NHL player next year. And um, you know, I think that was definitely. Uh, um, you know, kind of the main focus as to, you know, what team I chose and where I wanted to go and um, all to be settled here on, on, on Windsor. Yeah. So now you're with Windsor. Uh, do you feel like you have some unfinished business in the OHL kind of with how your year ended last year with, with Kingston? And I'm not going to use the word disappointed, but I, I would assume that you guys had larger aspirations than what happened with that finish. And, and now you're back with Windsor, like you said, being with a contender. Do you feel like you've got sort of unfinished business? For sure. Yeah, I think obviously uh um haven't really, you know, won too much in the OHL. It's always uh it's it's uh some of that, you know, I I I, I want to win. Obviously, I'm always a guy who's who's wanting to win, you know, everywhere I go and um you know, it's the same here. I want to uh, you know, be a contending team here at Windsor and uh, hopefully win OHL championship and uh, hopefully eventually a Memorial Cup as well. Now, like I mentioned, I'm from Windsor as well, so I, I got to see you live in your first game and everything. How have you enjoyed Windsor, and what has kind of been your uh, first impressions, both on and off the ice? Yeah, I've loved it here so far. Um, no, didn't really, uh, you know, know too much about the city. Haven't really visited too much when I was younger, but um, you know, I've loved it here so far. Uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the the guys as well in the room, and uh, you know, unbelievable rink and uh, no great fans in the the one game I played here so far. So um, definitely really enjoyed uh, you know being here so far, and uh, looking forward to. Uh, you know, the, the months ahead here as well. Yeah, just kind of curious, did Seattle give you an idea of, you know, what they what they wanted you to focus on from a development sort of standpoint now that you're back in the OHL? 
yeah, I think just just go enjoy myself. Just go and play hockey. Um, that was that was the biggest message. You know, uh, don't think too much about what you're doing. Don't think too much about uh, trying to be perfect. Just go out and and, and grow, and develop, and learn, and, uh, and and have some fun playing you know junior hockey and uh, just just go out and enjoy myself. And that was uh, that was the biggest message I think. Uh, obviously, you played in the NHL. Uh, you got some experience there. Uh, what was kind of your takeaway and experience there? And what was it like kind of scoring your first NHL goal against Montreal? And then obviously, have you had a, a welcome to the NHL moment when you were there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, pretty cool being able to play NHL games. Obviously, uh, uh, the goal and the dream of mine since I was a, I was a little kid. And, um, you know, being able to score my first goal as well is uh, a pretty cool moment for sure. I think uh, probably welcome the, the NHL moment is just, uh, for me anyways, you know, growing up, my favorite player was Sidney Crosby and, I actually got the chance to, to play against him, be on the same ice against him. So uh, I think that was a, a pretty cool moment for me and definitely uh, kind of welcomed the, the NHL moment for me. Now, being in Seattle, I, I mean, I got to ask, are you a coffee guy? Like, was the coffee good? Did you enjoy anything you can take away from sort of like the culture out in Seattle? Yeah, yeah, definitely coffee guy. But uh, no, Seattle Seattle's great. I really loved it there. I really loved my time there. And um, Unreal City, we have really good fans there as well. Great building. Uh, you know, great arena there. So, um, you know, love the city, love, love being there in Seattle and uh, looking forward to getting back there soon. Did you have a favorite thing that you did like maybe off the ice, obviously uh, while you're in Seattle? Um, I wouldn't say there's one thing that kind of stands out. I think, uh, um, you know, we didn't really have you know, a whole lot of time, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, go see the city or go see the sites around or um, <clears throat> and stuff like that. So, um, I wouldn't say there's really you know one main thing that sticks out, but um, I think overall just just really enjoyed being there. Yeah, something for the future, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. All right, Shane, we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, we'll let you go get dinner and everything. Uh, thanks again. Good luck the rest of the way, and hopefully uh, I get, get to see you make a pretty good long run here in Windsor. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Take care, Shane. All right. Thank you to Shane Wright for ha- joining us on the THN on the O podcast. It was a fun interview with him. What were your initial takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it's been a really busy couple of months for Shane, and uh, I'm just really appreciative that he took the time to, to come on and chat with us. It was great to sort of talk about his perspective about being returned to Windsor, uh, being returned to the OHL, having sort of that unfinished business, and and really wanting to to bring home a championship for the Windsor Spitfires. Uh, it, I think it's obvious that he's very team-focused right now and really wants to to get Windsor far into the playoffs. And anytime we get to bring up one of the Halton under 12 records for the 100 meter dash, it's always fun to do. So kudos to you for finding that tidbit. I'm just a, uh, a dearth of knowledge. All right, let's jump into the team of the week now. We'll start off with Shane Wright, who's got four, four goals and two assists in his first three games back in the OHL. He's got two penalty minutes and he's an even rating on the plus minus scale. So what has kind of been your take seeing him back in the league? Yeah, it, it's been great. Um, like we kind of talked about earlier, that first line is awesome. And it's one that has me excited to watch a lot of Windsor games in the second half because I think that line has the potential to be the best in, in the league, if not top three in the league. And it's really going to carry Windsor. And I'm really interested to see how Wright's game away from the puck develops in, in the OHL this year. I think he definitely has the potential to be an elite two-way player. And I think that in his draft year, I think maybe the intensity just wasn't high enough. Um, it's something that we had 
uh, you know, you and I, people in our role, had talked about we kind of beat that horse um, to death about his, for lack of a better term, you know, not intense defensive play. And I'm really interested to see because I thought he was really good defensively at the World Juniors. And I think that playing in the NHL, playing in the AHL this year, playing at the pro level kind of gave him that sort of snapshot to to see like what it takes to be a good two-way player at the next level. And you can sort of apply that now, hopefully, in the in the OHL. And I think the returns so far have been good. Yeah, I think the big thing I noticed when I watched this first game in person was the defensive play, the off-puck play, because uh, early on in the game, Windsor took a five-minute major penalty for a slew foot, and Shane Wright was out there on the penalty kill right away, and he was making some really good plays. I think he generated a chance for Matt Maggio on the penalty kill, uh, just stripping a puck in the neutral zone and sending Maggio in for a break. There was a few times defensively that he was just in the right position, smart play. He was closing off Michael Misa in the corner a few times. There's a, a number of times where Misa would go and try to put the spin on him, try to deke and dangle his way out of trouble. And Shane Wright was just calm, cool, and collected and was able to take the puck away from him and, and just make the right play in the defensive zone. And I thought that was a really big thing for him. And at the end of the day, his offensive game will come. I mean, he has six points in three games, so it's not like it's not there already. But he seems like he's just a little bit off with Brett Harrison and Matt Maggio, who have had a few extra games to play together so far. But with this, the processing that you're seeing in his game and the skill levels of those two guys as well, it's only a matter of time before this six points in three games because becomes four points in one game or something like that. And they, they all go off for a big night. And I, I'm not going to be shocked if the, this top line for Windsor kind of leads them on a deep run. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by playing with Matt Maggio because I think that one criticism we've had of Wright is, is that lack of pace to his game too. And if there's a player who likes to play up-tempo in the OHL, it's Matt Maggio, right? There is a, he is ferocious. And he wants to play fast. He wants to play quick. He wants to he wants to push the pace, right? And it's going to be interesting to see Shane playing with him because I feel like it's going to bring the best out of his game. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to continue tracking him throughout the OHL season. And another player that we're going to get to for the Seattle Kraken is Ty Nelson, defenseman in North Bay. He's got 49 points, 35 assists, and 14 goals in just 40 games. He's been a fantastic player for that, that North Bay team. He's taken the step that I think we all expected him to take last year, and it's been really fun to watch his game this year. Yeah, he's been really good, I think, especially in the defensive end. I think he's really cleaned things up. I think he's chasing the play a lot less. I think he's just kind of letting the game come to him, um, using his his strong forward mobility to, to be a, an asset. You know, He's got a better stick. He's got better awareness. He's just more dialed in in the defensive end. Um, and I think that's that's a big difference because now he's using that to transition to offense and things are looking a little bit cleaner, a little bit better. He's making better decisions. I think the only thing I would say is I'm still sort of waiting for Nelson to develop into that highly elite power play quarterback. I feel like for somebody who skates as well as he does, I feel like he doesn't utilize it as uh, enough when he's working the point. I think there's an opportunity for him to sort of be a little bit more aggressive um, with his decision making and be a little more assertive. I feel like there's still that tendency to just kind of dump pucks in, throw pucks on net. Um, yes, his shot is a, is a massive weapon. I, I think that that would be like that big next step for him moving forward. Yeah, I think the big thing with him is that, like you said, the, the steps defensively have been taken. But something I, I was talking to NHL scouts in the OHL last year about was Nelson's kind of play style and how he's 
kind of dialed his offensive game back a little bit in the last couple of years in the OHL because the coaching staff has asked him to do that. I think it's one of those things where he's used to being able to run and gun and be that guy that runs the power play with a high level efficiency, runs the offensive game with a, a level that you don't see very often. And he hasn't been able to quite do that at the OHL level. And I think a lot of that is just the coaching staff going, Hey, we don't need you to be that right now. We don't need you to do that. Like, reserve your game learn the defensive side of the puck and let that offensive game blossom naturally and i think now that we're starting to see that defensive game come through this year maybe we'll start to see that in the second half hopefully because the tools are all there i think he's an excellent passer when he wants to be i think he like you said the shot is a great weapon the skating is a real asset for him it's going to be about putting it all together in the offensive zone especially on that power play where he can be a difference maker if he wants to be yeah and i think that Rome wasn't built in the day, right? I think it might have been a little bit unrealistic for, for us to expect that Nelson's defensive game is going to take that massive step forward and he's going to transform into this uh, amazing um, puck mover at the same time who dominates offensively. I, I think it's great to see him take that step forward defensively. Maybe next year is, is the year that we see him really transform into that, you know, Pavel Minchikov type where he's just dominating offensively um, because he's capable of doing that. All right, let's move on to another Seattle prospect in North Bay. That's Kyle Jackson, plays center and the wing, 55 points in 40 games. He's got six penalty minutes and plus 18 rating on the year so far. What have you liked about his game? He's maybe not the most highly touted prospect in the system, but he's definitely having a pretty good season. Yeah, he's having, he's having a great year. He's uh, Jackson's a highly intelligent player. Um, like you said, very versatile. I think the big thing for, for him that's really led to some improved production this year is the skating improvements. Uh, we talked about that, you know, earlier with Brett Harrison, and this happens a lot with OA players and players that are, you know, in their U20 year. Taking that next step as a skater really unlocks that offensive potential and, and consistency at the OHL level. And I think we've seen that with Jackson this year. Yeah, I was going to say the big thing with him is I always uh, the intelligence has never really been the question. I think he's a smart player, knows what to do with the puck. It's just I, I feel like his tools have always lagged a step behind. And now that, like you said, the skating has improved a little bit, you're starting to see everything else kind of come along with it. So he's a really interesting prospect in, in the Seattle system. Where he gets to kind of at the next level is going to be the more of the question. Do you kind of think he's going to be able to take that step towards the NHL over the next couple of years? Or do you think he's a guy that's going to take a few years in the AHL possibly? Yeah, I think he's the kind of guy that's going to take some time in the AHL. I think he's going to have to figure out what his niche is. You know, is he skilled enough to be a top six player at the NHL level? I would say probably not. Um, I think a lot would have to happen in his development for that to occur. Um, so he probably slots in more in that middle range or the bottom six. And that would mean, you know, becoming even quicker. Um, it would mean adding more strength, physicality to his game to, to be a you know, a more even more versatile player than than he is currently, and and finding that niche at that next level, and that can take a while for for players, especially players who are used to playing a more offensive role uh, at the OHL level, right? And um, you know, lucky for Jackson, Seattle is still building up their system, right? Um, so playing out of Coachella Valley is going to be great for him, hopefully next year, and uh, or you know, I say hopefully next year because obviously there's a chance that ends up in the ECHL too. Um, it does sometimes happen with some of these players who who have really good OA years. So yeah, it's it's going to be great to see uh, him take that next step next step next year and and see where that sort of projection 
lies. I think we'll learn a lot about Jackson in his first pro year compared to what we're learning this year. It's obviously great to see him playing well. Um, but in terms of projecting him as an NHL prospect, I think next year is a bigger year. Yeah, I agree with you there. And now moving on to one of my favorite prospects in the NHL, David Goyette, one of the premier playmakers for the Sudbury Wolves, really talented player, 52 points, 26 goals and 26 assists this year. He's starting to show a little bit more of the goal scoring touch that you've always seen in flashes. What have you thought about his game so far this year? Yeah, he's he's been fantastic. He's another player that has been really good since the coaching change as well. I think Derek McKenzie has brought out a little bit more snarl in his game. Uh, I think that's sort of been the case for everybody on that Sudbury Wolves team, but uh, it has been noticeable with, with Coyette. I think he's been better defensively, especially. I think he's been better on the back check, and it's allowing him to use his skating ability to, to lead in transition too, to, to be back there in support, and then being that first guy out of the zone, he can apply pressure with how quick he is. And it's great to see him shooting more and, and being more assertive offensively. I felt like there were times last year in his draft year where he had trouble getting into the inside, um, whether it was a will or the fact that he just wasn't strong enough or a combination of the two. But I definitely think we're seeing him get inside the hash marks a little bit more consistently this year, too. Um, definitely good for the, his projection as an NHL player. And he's got another year left after this. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, that development take even a next step. Yeah, David Goyette, like I said, he's one of the best passers in the uh, OHL. I think he's going to be able to take that big, big step next year and, and maybe be one of those sneaky guys to challenge for us for the scoring title in the OHL next year. It's going to be fun to see him kind of do his thing in the, with the Sudbury Wolves because he does have so many tools. And as that program started to build up over the last few years, a, a combination of him and Musty and a few other guys, it's a really fun team to watch. And David Goyette, like you said, is one of the best players in the OHL this year. I think he's really fun to watch. But let's move on to another uh, player in the Seattle system, Tucker Robertson for the Peterborough Peets, 51 points in 40 games. Seattle's got a number of guys that have real NHL potential. I think Robertson's one of them. Yeah, Robertson's had a really good year. I feel like we had talked about him as sort of a, a sleeper for the World Junior Camp, but I feel like maybe in like those two or three weeks leading up to the camp roster being unveiled, he probably was playing his worst hockey of the year. Peterborough was in a real slump. He wasn't playing well. And after that sort of, we'll call it a snub, I guess, after that happened, he's been really, really, really good for, for Peterborough. I think he's definitely going to be a, a pro player. I think he's going to be an NHL player. Whether it's more than a, a fourth-line energy guy, I don't know. But he just does so many things well. Um, I really like him as a prospect. I really like him as a player. I think that he's a type of guy that doesn't really have a, a true weakness. He shoots the puck well. Smart player. He plays both ends. He plays with physicality. Um, there's really nothing to dislike uh, about his game. So then it's about you know continuing to improve some of those physical traits that every young player has to improve to, to get to that next level. But I think that he is definitely somebody that has an NHL future. Yeah, I agree with you there. He's a guy that I think is going to develop over the next couple of years. He's probably going to take a couple of years and it won't be shocked to see him be a guy that joins the NHL roster at 23 or 24 after a couple of years in the NHL and really grinding his teeth down there. But let's get to the final prospect of the Seattle Kraken system in the OHL. It's a big group today. Uh, and before we get out of here, that's Ryan Winterton with the London Knights, six points in six games so far. He had a pretty good game the other day. What's been your take on his game and how do you think he, his NHL projection is going to go? He just has to stay healthy. Like, I really like Ryan Winterton as, as an NHL prospect. I think that there is 
there is a chance that he can develop into a sort of Josh Anderson type at, at the NHL level. Um, big kid who can skate well, has skill. I just think he needs to stay healthy. And that's what it comes down to. We saw another injury occur this year. He, he missed the first part of the season after uh, another injury in training camp. And obviously now playing for the London Knights, playing well so far. I think he's going to have a really strong finish to what I would say his OHL career. And then he's going to turn pro next year. And I do like his odds of being an NHL player if he can stay healthy. Um, and that's the key. And, and sometimes these guys can't. I mean, look at Nick Robertson, unfortunately. He's had a tough time as, as a pro staying healthy. And hopefully Ryan Winterton um, doesn't fall into that same sort of trap. Yeah, at the end of the day, availability is a skill. And being able to stay healthy is is something that isn't always in your control, but it, it's a big thing for the for the pro game. I think it's a big thing across sports in general. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't stay healthy, you're not going to be able to help your team. And at the end of the day, they're only going to give you so many chances to kind of keep keep back and get healthy. So I think he, the big thing for him, like you said, is health. He's a big guy, skates well, has some tools. I don't think he doesn't have a shot at the NHL. So it's going to be about, like you said, staying healthy, developing over the next couple of years. And I think it's like, again, with a guy like Tucker, Tucker Robertson, David Goyette, even Kyle Jackson, you're going to need a couple of years for this guy to develop into the NHL that you want him to be. But he's got all the tools to do it. So it's going to be about staying healthy over the next few years and just kind of avoiding the injury bug that he hasn't been able to avoid so far. And, um, you know, avoiding the injury bug without changing the way that he plays. I think Winterton is yeah. at his best when he is able to play that power game. So if he has to alter that sort of approach, he's not going to be as effective. So that's that's a big part, too. All right, now that we've covered the entire Seattle prospect pool, let's get out of here, Brock. Yeah, as always, you can follow me at the Tony Ferrari on Twitter, and you can follow him at Brock Otten. This has been THN on the O, and we appreciate you listening. Take care.